0: He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition.
1: And we're live. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge Podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined on this fine Friday afternoon by Yovan Buha, friend of the show. You've been a friend of the show. I think you get a free sandwich after this um appearance I, i'm, I'm uh, waiting on
0: it <laughs> You, <laughs> you get, want a free coupon somewhere
1: you for sure get like it you know you, you for sure have a beer coming your way the next time i see you that's that's, that's even better
0: nice.
1: <laughs> um Yovan is here obviously of the athletic he is here of social media where you're seeing his reports do all kinds of numbers he is here of youtube he launched um a youtube channel that i have had a blast watching those those kind of vlogs taking you behind the scenes of your your Thank trips you. following the team have been fantastic so i do you know everybody just search i think it's just Jovan buha on youtube just, yeah right? just Jovan buha yeah perfect uh and 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 yeah go go find him everywhere that you possibly can he does he does great great work we have a ton to talk about but uh first i gotta ask how you're holding up like we good
0: like <laughs> you tired oh, man <laughs> How long do we have? Man. <laughs> um, I, I'm delirious right now. Like uh just that 12-day trip took like but the last couple of days of the trip were just brutal from a, mm-hmm. an energy standpoint. And then uh getting back here, it was immediately the trade deadline. Uh ultimately nothing happened, but you, you still have that kind you still of still to cover it. Yeah, <laughs> you still you still have to cover it and then just that that onness, you know, just being locked in and and talking to people and uh just kind of waiting for something to potentially happen uh and then it doesn't happen but uh, oh yeah there's no break because you go straight into the kobe statue and then a game against denver so uh i want to be clear i'm not complaining this is a a dream job i love it but uh, from an energy standpoint i'm definitely running on empty right now uh so just trying to get through tonight and then uh lakers are off saturday sunday and monday so uh three days off is is pretty rare during the nba season so that that's uh looking forward to the super bowl weekend and, and just kind of decompressing for a couple of days
1: just like napping for for hours
0: and hours on end yes
1: i would i tomorrow. would try <laughs> doing that the other day i tried taking a nap and um my youngest just started walking so i'm like i you know and it wasn't even that i meant to like i i have also like this has just been so effing taxing like these last these last few weeks have just been nuts And so like I sat down on the couch and then because I'm old, just like started kind of nodding off or whatever. And like five minutes later or so, if even that, my youngest comes up and just grabs all of my leg hair, just just like grabs all of it. I'm like, all right, I'm awake. I'm awake. Hey, bud, you know, how you doing? But but yeah, this has been uh, quite the few weeks here for the Lakers. You mentioned the onness, right? And you wrote about this for The Athletic. But I felt like this is where, uh, you know, my fandom, I wouldn't say impacts my reporting or whatever, but certainly like my reaction to my own reporting is, you know, I keep on hearing they're going to have a, a a quiet deadline. It's it's heading towards a really quiet deadline. It doesn't look. And then as we got closer to the deadline, it went from like quiet to, man, they might not do anything. And And at that point, I'm like, excuse me? You know, and and so like I'm part, I'm I'm relaying the information that I have at my disposal as best that I possibly can. But as I'm doing that, I'm sitting there saying, "No way!" (laughs) Like, I, I, you know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm hoping that the the reporting that I'm doing at that point eventually gets proven incorrect. But no, um, they do, they stand pat completely. They don't do anything. They don't even open up a roster spot for a buyout market that I do think has some guys that would help. They don't get under the luxury tax to reset it for the repeater next year. Um, they obviously don't make any marginal or, or any kind of upgrades to the roster. Again, you wrote about it for The Athletic today, and uh, did I thought it was a tremendous write-up. But I do have one question that I wanted to start here with. Um, did you write this specifically to piss me off? Quote, <laughs> with limited interest <laughs> in, in their players, with multiple years left on their contracts, one option the Lakers way was trading Torian Prince, who was making 4.5 million on an expiring contract. However, head coach Darvin Ham was one of the vocal supporters of retaining Prince, according to team sources. When you when you wrote that up, when you got that report, you knew that like you kind of knew it felt good off the fingers. Like- <laughs>
0: I knew what I was doing, um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, th- that was something that, you know, so uh, to, to kind of recap the last few days, uh, yeah. you know, similar to, to what you were hearing, I, I start hearing seems like nothing's going to happen. Like maybe a small move, uh, maybe trading someone to deduct to the, the tax. But then I also heard that, uh, they, they didn't want to do anything to, uh, Make weaken burst. the strength of the roster and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that even if it was a little bit over the tax and and that was going to cost them, uh, you know, they, they didn't, they're not punting on the season and it's not like they're just trading people off that that's going to, you know, again, worsen the roster. So yeah. once you, once you hear that, it's like, okay, well, what are the possible moves? And uh, as I reported, and I know you've talked about this as well, there was not much of a market if, any at all for D'Lo, Rui, and Gabe? Those were yeah. not viewed. Those were viewed as neutral assets at best, and and more often than not, negative assets that you had to attach. You as in the Lakers had to attach assets to uh, to trade off those guys because Gabe's coming off knee surgery. He's got two more years left, and there is concern about you know when is he coming back? What state is he going to be in? How, how what's the long term impact of, of this injury? And just there is that stigma that I know Michael Scotto talked about with the, the heat role players and just sort of the way they're perceived around the league. Then you have Rui Hachimura when that contract was signed, that was a polarizing contract that uh, you know, people I spoke to around the league were very skeptical of Rui sustaining the play that he had in the playoffs yeah. and it was viewed by some as an overpay for the Lakers and a risky gamble betting on him sustaining that play and ultimately, I think it's kind of been a mixed bag so far. Part of that's just been his role and, and the way he's been used, but part of it's been injuries. Uh, part of it's been his own performance. So I, I think if Rui were entering the market again, like I, I don't know if he gets the same contract, uh, for example. And then you have D'Lo, where there's just some uncertainty there with his player option. What's going to happen with that? Is he going to opt out? And, and now all of a sudden, um, you know, it, most teams weren't looking to to acquire him to actually keep him, but um there was the risk of you know does he not perform well and then he opts in and then now all of a sudden you have this uh 18.7 million on on your book so in terms of uh guys they can move one of the guys was Torian, and he he was one of the few expiring contracts i I think the only expiring contract rather that was a non-minimum contract yeah and so start kind of digging on that and i hear uh well darvin's pushing for you know, Darwin's pushing back against mm-hmm. uh, a potential Torian trade and yeah. uh, then check in with a couple other people and, and confirm that and, and, you know, get that information. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise based on the Torian being the starter for majority of the season and the role that he's played. But um, I did find it. I, I thought fans would enjoy that, that nugget <laughs> uh, of uh, even behind the scenes, Darwin fighting to keep, uh, you know, Torian on the roster.
1: I, laughed out loud when I got to that graph I I like, was sitting there and uh because actually um it was Prada um your editor there at, at uh at the athletic um friend of mine from from SB Nation and and Vox and all that stuff um actually friend of the show he's been on the show and um not nearly a a free sandwich though unfortunately but he um, he tweeted out the link and I was like, oh, cool. There's a there's a there's a recap here. Yovan always has great information. Let's read this thing. It can't be that triggering. Right. I know. I, I feel like I know most of it. I didn't have this. I, I, I didn't look into this great job on looking into it. And um, <laughs> I got to that graph and I was like, why are you laughing? And I'm like. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and so I tweeted out a, a screenshot, linked to it, all that stuff, and and um, let me uh, just kind of preview the uh Twitter's the reaction tweet. to it, yeah. <laughs> this is why I look like this, everybody. This is why I'm losing my mind. That's essentially how uh Twitter reacted <laughs> to um. <laughs> to, to uh. Uh, that graph and, and, and basically the last few days, because essentially like we're and, and we'll get to more information here in a bit, but like what I, what I'm hung up on is that clearly you're a game above 500. You've had LeBron and AD healthy all year. Right. If you, if I was to tell you that, like, if I, you know, if I was to tell you at the beginning of the season, that the Lakers would be fighting to remain at or above 500 50 plus games into the season, you would have said, oh yeah, well, totally like LeBron probably got hurt. AD probably got hurt. They've been like kind of in and out of the lineup or whatever. No, they've missed four total games. I believe between the two of them or each or whatever, but they, they, um, (laughs) despite that, they've just wasted this beginning of the season. So then you start asking, all right, well, who's going to be held accountable for what feels like a failure, right? If they have been healthy for this long, Somebody has to be, you know, there has to be, whether it's roster ramifications, whether it's coaching ramifications, whether it's front office ramifications, what have you, somebody here has to answer some, some pretty tough questions. And, um, Darvin ham, his seat at no point has gotten hot over the season. You know, uh, he has always had kind of the utmost, uh, support from Rob and Jeannie. Okay. Well, then surely you're going to make tweaks at the deadline. No, not really. And you didn't get particularly close. All right. Um, and that's with like, they, they they keep on talking about wanting to hold on to the 29 first rounder to be able to use that um, in the upcoming summer. But You had five second rounders and second rounders are flying all over the league and you buy a new one, basically every draft. So like that was kind of surprising. Um, and, and then, you know, well, we'll see what the buyout market looks like, and we'll talk about Spencer Dinwiddie here in a little bit. But, like again, it—I think the reason we have seen this response here from Lakers fans, and even when you and I talk about this, it's like, what's going to? How can nothing change while all of this has been going on? How is there no fundamental change to the direction of this kind of organization? Um, do you sense any frustration? Um, like you know fr- from the folks that you have talked to after the deadline have you have you sensed any frustration in the response
0: to doing nothing? surprisingly not um okay and I don't know if that's just the the team kind of aligning on this is our stance this is the way we're gonna frame this um because I, I think a couple things can be true uh, yeah I think in the Lakers defense, if you look at the guys that, I've reported on, you've reported on uh, some of their top targets. Let's go through the list quickly. DeJounte Murray didn't get traded. Bruce Brown Jr. didn't get traded. Dorian Finney-Smith didn't get traded. Tyus Jones didn't get traded. Alex Caruso, Andre Drummond both didn't get traded. So I think if some of those guys had been moved and we had been able to see a a price for them, be it a first-round pick, a couple first-round picks, or maybe multiple seconds, then I think we could have held that against the Lakers and been like, well, if Dorian, fin, uh, you know, if Dorian Finney-Smith went for one first-round pick, why didn't why weren't you involved in that? Why didn't you get him for one yeah. first-round pick? But really, when you look at the guys that moved, none of them had really been attached to the Lakers. I think Royce O'Neal is an exception, um, and, and you know, maybe there are a couple of of, of other guys that I'm I'm forgetting. It's Not been a, really. a long forty-eight <laughs> hours, but uh, I think Royce is like that's one that I, I'm like boy on, I guess technically, boy on. Um, and, and that price was a bit lower than I think the Lakers were expecting, or at least, you know, what I'd heard their conversations had had gone like with, with Detroit. But I mean, really like Royce and Boyan, okay. Like maybe you could have gotten involved there, but I think in the Lakers defense, the guys that they had had interest in just didn't get traded. And for my understanding, that's just because the, you know trade demands and and the prices for those guys were just so high that uh, not only were the Lakers not able to to meet them, but other teams as well. Clearly, because those guys weren't moved, uh, and it kind of dep- like you know Dejounte ultimately Atlanta wanted to hold on to him to the summer and, and see if they can get more for him this summer. Uh, Chicago thinks they're gonna go on some run in the playing tournament. Like <laughs> I don't know what Chicago's doing, but yeah, uh, like so I think that. You, you can kind of defend the Lakers fr- from that perspective of, yeah, if, again, if, if a couple of those guys had been traded and it had been a price that the Lakers could have matched, I, I think it's totally fair to criticize the Lakers and and say, you know why why weren't you in that conversation? why couldn't you outbid Team X that acquired Player X? But because most of the top guys that were available realistically weren't moved, I think that was just a sign that look like these prices are really out of control. I know you were on top of that. I-, I was on top of that, and it just that's what it was. Now the flip side is, if you think you have a shot, and and that's the the, the framing that the Lakers have continued to to posture with, uh, is you know we believe in this team, we believe in the continuity, we, we believe in this and that. Then you go for it, and even if it's a marginal move, and, and yeah. that that was where your um, slight overpay, you know, like yeah, and and even if it is like. Uh, you know something for Royce O'Neal where maybe maybe you heavily protect the first round pick and like let's say it's like a top 20 uh, yeah you know a first round pick protection like and you could get a Royce O'Neal in I think you have to do that and, and, yeah. and that's if you believe in the roster because to me actions speak louder than words and as we're discussing like you don't fire Darvin and you don't make a move at the deadline like that's kind of saying, and then as I reported, there still is pessimism on on Jared Vanderbilt and his potential yeah. return. Um, so it's even like Gabe's for that matter, and Gabe too. Like so, at some point, it's kind of like, well, we we have these, and and that's honestly more of a reason to like again in a vacuum. We can say, well, a first round pick, even a protected pick, it is too much for Royce O'Neill. But if you have pessimism about Jared Vanderbilt and, and Gabe Vincent potentially returning this season or at least returning in time to help save the season and be factors for you, then you need more wing defense. And if you're not adding that wing defense, then you're kind of just saying like, we're okay with like this season going the way it looks like it's going, which is, this is a team that either loses in the play in or loses in the first round. And, you know, maybe they get an advantageous first round matchup and, you know, I I think they could beat OKC. Uh, I yeah, I, I think that matchup has actually been favorable for LA in the regular season. Yeah. I think Chet, it, it, you know, it's just a tough matchup for him matching up against AD. Like maybe they play Minnesota and they can beat them, but we just saw how it looks against Denver, and yeah, like it always that. looks like, that way. That looks Denver. like a four or five game series to me if they're playing yeah. Denver. And the Clippers are a tough matchup, so I'm just looking at it like you guys have some clear deficiencies on this roster. Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Lowry, like those guys, can help just from like a talent perspective and having another ball handler. But to me, Lakers still have three clear deficiencies on this roster. I think they need a high volume three point shooter. They don't really have that. Um, I think they need better wing and perimeter defense. They they don't have that right now, uh, partially due to injuries. And then they need another credible defensive big man. That you can feel comfortable playing for eight to twelve minutes a night at least when AD is off the floor, they don't have that right now. And Spencer Dinwiddie mm-hmm. and Kyle Lowry don't check any of those boxes. Like Kyle no. Lowry, you know, plus shooter, I guess, and and you know, decent defensively. Obviously, takes charges and and is physical, but he's about to be thirty eight and he's coming off multiple injury riddled seasons. Spencer Dinwiddie is not a plus shooter, is not a plus defender, and obviously isn't an interior guy. So, like, I'm looking at those things, like th- those additions as even if they add one of those two, like, yes, I think from a talent perspective, you're overall better, but you're not really addressing the core needs of this roster. Like they need a better wing defender. They need uh, another yeah. defensive big man. And I just don't see that making those additions now on the buyout market. So you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a guy springs free and, and the Lakers get him. But I just, if you don't add to those deficiencies, I think you are kind of punting on the season strong. But you are sort of just saying, like, we're going to let it play out how it plays out. And and that sort of passive approach to the rest of the season, to me, is in a way sort of just acknowledging, like, we're not very confident in, in what this group can do.
1: You're kind of hitting on something that has kind of bothered me in the fallout to the deadline, right? Is the messaging here? Well, we really, really believe in our guys. Okay, but you're also maintaining your 29 pick along with the two other ones in the summer so that you can move those guys that you supposedly really believe in for a superstar, right? Um, the notion that like, uh, you know, when, when asked, uh, you know, Rob Palenka said that their priority, this, um, this buyout, season is going to be getting a point guard, getting some more help there while also saying that they're hopeful that Gabe Vincent is able to come back. Those two things don't quite align to me. And, and like, I, you know, like my, my issue and, and, you know, the, my issue has kind of consistently been with the Lakers, a lack of kind of real consistent process here, you know, and, and and the process I feel like, you know, is a real predictor of, of eventual results and and this is kind of something that Justin is is mentioning here in his comment, right? It's a joke that a five hundred coach who can uh, can veto a trade makes me think. Boston Palenka has zero with you with Ham's performance this season, which is mind boggling, and makes me believe he won't be fired. Um, to me, it's like <laughs> Ham Ham like essentially lost the locker room from from like from some accounts that I have heard, and now there is some contradiction there. There are some who say that you know, he got really close or that it was heading in that direction or that it might head in that direction eventually. Um, And that like, there can be things that could be done to salvage it, right? And he was ready to do that before Vanderbilt got hurt um, in starting last year's starting five. Um, But it's crazy to me that like, if let's say this season does continue this way and the Lakers continue to have at 500, either make or miss the play in, <clears throat> or make the play in and get knocked out before you reach the actual playoffs or you have a a you know you face Denver in the first round and you get swept in the first round you know and and you clearly take a step back this season i don't know how darvin would survive that right and if you do wind up firing darvin and his input changed changed at one point the trajectory of your deadline acquisitions then that doesn't really make much sense either. So like all of these processes are are, are the the part of this that drive me kind of insane. And obviously um, I feel a certain way about this team, but it's, it's, it gets echoed around the league, right? This notion that the Lakers would only make a move that moved the needle, right. To keep on using their favorite phrase. Um, And that they, they, you know, whatever move that they made, Um, If they were going to invest more draft capital into this, they wanted to launch them back into that stratosphere with Denver, with Milwaukee, with Boston on its own. A, those moves are really, really rare. Like uh, you have to hit an absolute home run to be able to do that. And B, if you acknowledge that there's a gap there, I would argue that any marginal upgrades that you can make now that help you shrink that gap over the summer would also be something that would make some sense for you while you have all of that second round draft capital. Um, That also didn't make much sense. And the reason I'm saying all of this is because, you know, not only do you talk to Lakers people when you're doing this, but you also talk to league, like how are the Lakers perceived? How is Rob Palenka perceived? And, and like, why, like with this result, this kind of disappointing result at the trade deadline, how did that come about um, through the eyes of those who he was negotiating with at this deadline? And a lot of people basically said, he sets a line and does not move off of that line. If it, if it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the focus becomes kind of winning the deal versus improving the team. And I think that's where Rob's kind of history as an agent kind of gets in the way a little bit, right? The notion of winning for his client, winning at at all means. And that's something you could do when Kobe was your client because nobody's negotiating against Kobe. But when you're running an organization and you're going up against these other people who were doing the same thing for their employers, you do, I think, have to be a a little bit more flexible. Have you heard anything on the front of like what it was like to (laughs) – to deal with the Lakers here, what what would you say is Rob's um, kind of stature around the league? Because I do think that has a bit of an impact on the Lakers' ability to make some of these deals.
0: Yeah, well, I think I reported on the Lakers tax, which is something yes. that um, you know, talking to, to people w- within the team and and a bit around the league, that it seemed like when the Lakers were having conversations with teams the asking price was higher than some of the trades we saw and some of the trades that were you know, just trade talks or, or different reports on uh, what teams were asking for in other scenarios. And, um, you know, I don't know. It, it's tough to, to kind of separate how much of that is Rob versus how much of that is the, the Lakers just, you know, brand or, or I think yeah. they're oh, way back in time now, we're, we're 15 years ago. Um, I remember the Paul Gasol trade and how Greg Popovich spoke out about that, and uh, other people around the league. I I think Mark Cuban might have spoke out about it as well. But like, feels like since then, teams have really been, and of course, Lakers have made big deals going back to the Anthony Davis trade. But even that was like a a pretty crazy haul at the time for um, a superstar. And um, you know, team. I feel like teams have been sort of reluctant to be like the one team that helped the Lakers like win a championship or. Help them get out of a certain mess like there is a sense I, I think of teams like to watch the Lakers fail like the, the Lakers have yeah. kind of been the golden child of the NBA for a, a while right and uh, team like teams almost get some level of satisfaction of oh look the La- you know Lakers didn't make a move at the deadline like ha 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 and like that sort of I, I think there's a, this perception of, of no one really wants to help them. Yeah. And, um, it's just some, like, and it's not to make an excuse, right? Like it's, it's just something that yeah, I've to deal the with same it. stuff. Yeah, it's it's the, sure. it's the gift and the curse of being the Lakers is you, you're the Lakers. Like you, you have this history, you, you have, um, certain privileges and, and certain benefits of, of being the Lakers, having that brand, you can attract stars, but there is a downside of like, people can be envious of that. And that envy, you know, that enviousness, um, can, or that envy rather, uh, can, yeah. can kind of you know um percolate and and, and get into talks and, and different things so i think one thing in, in talking to people w- within and around the team yesterday and the day before was like seeing some of these deals that were done they felt like those asking prices were a bit higher when they were negotiating with those teams yep. for those players everybody and all else sudden, came
1: down right like yeah going all, when of a sudden all two first the prices go down two so, second round yeah
0: mm-hmm. so i don't know how like you know we you, you hear different things with Rob. Like I, I, this is kind of a weird subject for, for me as someone covering the team on a daily basis oh, where sure. I don't necessarily want to get too into it. But like, I, I do think, you know, he, he doesn't have the best perception around the league. Like, you, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking that news necessarily. Yeah. And, and sometimes he's new that, to it. It's a, it's a, um,
1: it's like an old frat and you have a lot of people who have these longstanding relationships and And if anything, Rob has somewhat of an antagonistic relationship, being a former agent who had to negotiate against a lot of these people. Um, And then he comes into it and he doesn't have those longstanding relationships. That's why I kind of wanted them to add somebody within the ranks who might have more of that relationship. I I, I don't, like, to me, I don't even think it's something that even needs reporting on. Like, the results kind of speak for themselves, you know? (laughs) So, like... I understand why it would be a touchy subject and we can move off of it. We have a ton that we also have to talk about here in a bit, but yeah, like the notion of the Lakers tax, I do think it's a factor, but I also think that there's an aspect of copium to it where people would like to be able to blame that rather than take a look at. And that's why I
0: I want to make like, it's not like you, you can still do your job even navigating that. Right. But um, I, I think for them, Again, ultimately, like I don't know. Let's just look at all the players that were moved. Like, which player was was? I think like Royce O'Neal would have helped this team. I think Boyan would have helped this team. I think Buddy Heald would have helped this team a little bit. Maybe Burks. And and, like that's kind of it. And again, we we could like you were gonna have to give something up to match salary to some extent. So are you giving up Rui? Are you giving up like people didn't want Gabe like that? That's kind of just the yeah where things were with that. So like Gabe, like because i was like oh i was talking couldn't you give like gabe and let's say gabe jhs and a first for dorian finney smith like on paper mm-hmm. that sounds like a kind of an interesting deal like gabe does have two yeah. years left but you're getting jhs a top 20 pick you're getting mm-hmm. a first round pick maybe with some protection and like would brooklyn do that and it was like no <laughs> like they, they would it's, not like people did not want to take on like people kind of view gabe as dead money moving forward so um, they just were in a tough spot, and like Rui again is a polarizing contract. People didn't really want that. So, and then again, D'Lo with, with with the the player option. So I think they were just in a tough situation where they just didn't have that midsize expiring or or at least attractive player contract that you kind of needed uh, yeah. a team to take on without demanding the first. Because I, I think they probably could have like if they had that guy you probably could have seen them do something for multiple seconds, but it it ultimately came down to everyone. They talked to wanted the first or they wanted Austin and none of the guys that moved really warranted a first and certainly didn't warrant Austin. Austin. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I um, you look at the moves that were made yesterday and it's pretty clear that like this new CBA and all the aprons and, and the impact on what you can do by going beyond those aprons really impacted the amounts of money that teams were willing to take on long-term. And I would venture a guess, I'm just doing this off of the top of the head, but the vast majority of trades where, where whoever was brought in, what went out was expiring money. And the Lakers just didn't have any of it. That wasn't tied to a rotation in a big way. And by the way, like I give Darvin Ham a hard time and I don't really necessarily agree with him having personnel input power um, or influence, but torian has been good and i do think he's a useful player he's their best shooter right now so if you send him out you have to bring in even more shooting to make up for whoever it is that or, you know for sending out torian i i, I kind of get it and that's why i was kind of arguing on behalf of keeping Malik over the summer and keeping Bamba over the summer and having those mid-level um uh, expirings to be able to use this time of year um let's move on though to the Lakers moving on and how they do so, right? They have an extra roster spot. They have a bit of a gap between uh, them and the hard cap. They have about four-ish, between four and five million bucks in terms of gap between them and and where they stand right now in the hard cap. Um, They do have a little bit of extra non-taxpayer mid-level exception money that they can attach to the prorated minimum and pay a little bit more than some of their competition might be able to. They also have less competition because of the new CBA, um, where like for somebody for, for like Spencer Dinwiddie, right. Who we're you know, we're going to talk about right now. There are teams that like, cannot get in on those talks that are above the second apron. So the Lakers, at least in theory, have a little bit less competition for him, but I'm, this is where, um, this is where it gets a little tricky though. A Eric Pincus is saying, and I trust Eric when it comes to the CBA about just about <laughs> above anybody else. Uh, so, uh, Eric is saying that the, that the Mavericks actually have more that they can offer Spencer Dinwiddie than the Lakers can. They have a little bit more, uh, NTMLE money than the Lakers have left over. Uh, that's a factor. Um, Dinwiddie has also been a Dallas Maverick in the past and played well next to Luca. And so the Lakers at least initially had some real optimism. I reported that there was real optimism within the organization that they'd be able to get him. I'm still told that there is optimism there, though I think it waned a little bit once they saw Dinwiddie at the Dallas and Knicks game last night. I don't think that went over particularly well in the organization. Um, And I'm told now there's more of a sentiment that it's like a 50, 50, maybe 55, 45 chance that they're able to get him. League people that I talk to say that the belief is that he eventually is going to go to Dallas. Um, A, what are you hearing on the Dinwiddie front? And B, what do the Lakers do if he isn't available? If, if they, if they have to move on beyond him and potentially even Lowry, who appears to be heading to Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. um, So Rob Plinka was asked yesterday about specific needs uh, on the buyout market. And he first said, you know, ball handling guard. And then if not best player available. So I think if the Lakers can't get Dinwiddie or Lowry, and it does look like they, they have significant competition with Dallas for, for Dinwiddie and Philly for Lowry uh, and Philly, I believe can offer the most of anybody uh, because yeah. they didn't even use their non-taxpayer MLE. So, so they, I, I think can offer, you know, some real money, at least in comparison to uh, a vet minimum contract, and they aren't hard so it seems like fi- fi- <laughs> Philly's in the, dri- and they, they traded Pat Bevel way. Like, so it feels like Philly's in the driver's seat for Lowry. He's obviously, um, you know, played at Villanova and, and has the, the Philly ties there. So, Seems like he's probably going there. And with Dinwiddie, I've heard it's 50-50. I was asked earlier today on on Hoops Tonight, and I said, you know, 50-50. If I really had to pick a side, I'd, I'd maybe lean Lakers just because he is an L.A. native. Um, at the time, I thought L.A. could offer more money, but clearly that was wrong. So if Dallas can offer more money, I do think that's 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 a factor. Um, in theory, I feel like he could have a, a potentially a bigger role with L.A. Um, I think more minutes, yeah. like... You could There's maybe see some three, some some three guard lineups again oh. with uh, with Dinwiddie. Austin, All right, and, and on UL. that note, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy <laughs> my weekend. <laughs> uh, so, like you know, I think role I think role minutes and and just the, you know being an LA native and and having those LA ties. He's here in the summer, like that points to the Lakers and, and their brand. But he was at MSG. He he was you know fl- kind of publicly flirting with the Mavericks, sitting behind the bench. And he does have the the Mavericks experience, you know, playing there, making a a Western Conference finals uh, as a six man for them, a guy who closed games a lot for them. So I I think based on the money factor, like I I do think a lot of times it's just as simple as that. Like I would lean Dallas. Uh, And then if the Lakers strike out on both those guys, like, I mean, Corey Joseph, like I I don't like Danwell House. It's it's a big drop off, right? Daddy is young. uh, Dad young, but like he's not a great shooter. And I don't know if adding a fo- another forward, like I like him. I think he he might he's probably better, honestly, than, than Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes. So like, if you could get, I guess, another like versatile big in there, uh, he, he's a bit more defensive minded, uh, though he is 35 years old, and, and you, you have to deal with that. Like, I don't know though. Like it, it's that's where I actually kind of disagree. Like where, where you know, Robin said it's it's a great buyout market. Like I don't think that. look Really looking at the options, it's like there's there's a clear like top two or three and then after that it's a pretty steep decline and again i think the lakers have some pretty clear needs as far as like you know wing defense three-point shooting and interior defense and i don't see a clear guy who like checks even one of the boxes necessarily you know multiple so i you know it's really like bigs and and guards and i actually think they, they probably need more help on the wing um yeah if we're looking at like the roster needs right now
1: yeah, that's usually how it goes with the buyout market. You don't normally check a whole bunch of boxes. You can't plan for sure. you know the buyout like fixing your roster. Um, and it's not to say that the Lakers planned on this. Or people, planned I see people on- say
0: Marcus Morris, like maybe that's that might mm-hmm. be the best guy, and he gives you um, kind of like that that Rui type body, and then you know plus shooter uh, historically. So maybe that's wow. like the the best option outside of the guards.
1: I. Like the thing I like about Marcus Morris is that at any point the other team always has to be concerned he's going to throw a cheap shot. I like I I think there is like
0: <laughs> and Lakers need Lakers need a guy like that. Honestly, they
1: do. I think they they really, don't really have one. Do. Like the because yeah. like, you know you'll see it sometimes where LeBron or AD will take a hard foul, and that's normally where somebody like that steps in to say like Yo, like you don't do that to our star. And nobody's willing, built Bill Rui is built like somebody who should be able to do that, but he's yeah. such like a happy, easygoing guy. He's just like, oh, come on. You know, like, you like Pat
0: Bev in uh in Phoenix with, with the DeAndre yeah. Ayton situation. Uh remember when he, he fouled Austin and then Pat Bev went in uh, yeah. and checked him. Like that's Lakers don't have anyone who who's done that so far.
1: Yeah, so I, I think there would be some value there in in Morris, and we'll see. You know, and look like Markeef enjoyed his time with the Lakers. I've seen some people mention maybe Robin Lopez. I don't think a Lopez brother is coming. I don't think that that family feels all well, that great about Disneyland
0: is out here. So that's can't true. That out. That's true. Yeah. He might
1: be a Clipper. Um, uh, but no, I um, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about is this three um first rounder plan that, uh, has been talked about. This started, you know, at the beginning of, you know, kind of trade deadline season. I wrote about how, like the various options that the Lakers have, right. And I used poker analogies for all of them. And I said, the Lakers could check their hand and, you know, play another one here in the upcoming summer. And over the course of this deadline season, given the prices, given the names that were available, all of that stuff that became increasingly popular throughout the organization, um, I was told. And, you know, finally that that is the plan that like Rob Polinka specifically spoke to after the deadline. And, um, how how do you think LeBron feels though about basically being told, Hey bud, can you come back and do this again at 40? Do you mind? Like, is that okay? Like you have a player option. Is it okay if you like come back for that? I know we've told you multiple times that we, we're going to utilize all of our draft capital before, but then wind up kicking the can down the road again. Um, Like I'm, I'm concerned about um, passing up on the opportunity to improve your roster now for the mere chance at Kyrie Irving, who we don't know is going to become available. Um, Donovan Mitchell is the, is the popular one or Trey young is the other popular one that you mentioned there as well. Um, Donovan Mitchell currently playing on a two seed and is from New York. And every time that it has come up about him potentially being traded, it's to the New York market. Um Trey Young, you do have those clutch ties and all of that stuff. But every time that I spoke to people close to Atlanta, it was like, yeah, I don't see ownership okaying a Trey Young trade. Um, you know, basically ever. He's the best player, basically since Dominique Wilkins in that franchise's history. So, I don't um, sleep
0: on Joe Johnson.
1: The also well, yes, ISO Joe, but, but uh, absolute you're, legend. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I, I um, like, what do you think about that approach? You know, the potential opportunity cost there, the realisticness, realisticness, reality. I don't know of like of that being pulled off. Uh, it feels super risky to me, especially when you consider LeBron has that player option this summer.
0: Well. So the, the Jordan meme is F them kids and right. the LeBron meme is F them picks. And Always. We, yeah, we know LeBron true. does not care. LeBron does not care about a 2029 20, first round pick. And yeah. Unless I think,
1: it might. Well, no, it's not going to be used on Bronny. So no, I don't think he cares.
0: And and again, like I'm, I'm going to bring up a quote quickly here from, from Rob. So there, there's a follow up about because uh, he he starts it off with like, you know, we don't, we didn't want to make just a marginal improvement. We we wanted to essentially do something that was going to move the needle. And he got asked to follow up about, um, you know, the, the, the team and, and like, couldn't you make a, basically a counter argument of like, couldn't you make a case that this team needs marginal upgrades and, and yeah, you know, marginal improvement. And uh, he starts making this analogy about like, well, if you have a player who's like an eight or a nine And then let's say you upgrade them for like an eight point five or a nine, like, but you're using assets to go get that player, Um, it it might hurt your roster down the road. And then he has a quote: "It just doesn't make sense. Like that improvement isn't going to take you from where you are now to like automatic contender." I thought that was an interesting line that kind of went under the radar because to me, saying a move wasn't going to take you from where you are now to an automatic contender in a way is kind of admitting that the Lakers aren't contenders and they've kind of been in this weird zone where like, if you just look at the on-court product and you look at this team that has had a below average net rating all season um, has struggled more so offensively all season, but now it's been kind of the opposite of of they're struggling defensively and the offense has been better. Uh, Like on paper, nothing about the Lakers says they're a contender, but the team has kind of maintained like, well, if we just get healthy, you know, LeBron and AD, and, and, you know, we we can go on a run like we did last year. But that line combined with the lack of activity to me kind of, again, speaks to actions speak louder than words. And this team is is sort of just not really sending out the signals that they felt that they were a contender. Because, again, if you feel like you can win a championship, you don't care about a 2029 first-round pick. You are saying... If like we can win a, a championship, it is worth losing that pick down the road, and that's how you operate, and that's how you saw some other teams operate around the deadline. Um, but so I I think that would be LeBron's perspective if you asked him. Uh, as far as the three star build, this is something the Lakers have been doing now for multiple years, uh, going back 2019. They get AD, they try and get Kawhi, and mm-hmm. that ultimately falls through. Uh, 2020, win the championship. 2021. Go Back for the third, the three star pursuit, uh, go after DeRozan, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, ultimately land on Russ. It is one of the worst trades in NBA history. We, we, we know how that played out. Yep. Uh, 2022, uh, they, they start going after uh, you know, Kyrie, and, and that starts that dance a little bit. And then 2023, trade deadline, it's kind of the, the final uh, dalliance with, with Kyrie. They don't get him, he ends up going to, to Dallas, and that kind of ends that. Uh, 2023 summer, they ultimately prioritize their continuity, resigned a bunch of guys. But now we're hearing okay, 2024, we're going after the elusive third star, this elusive yep. second ball handler who can take the offensive load off LeBron. Uh who the Lakers offense can survive when LeBron rests, when AD rests, like just hand the keys to this guy and, and they're gonna be fine. And you know, Trey Young, I think, checks that box. Donovan Mitchell checks that box, and Kyrie Irving, when he's on his best behavior, checks that box. But again, to your point, for Kyrie, it, it's gonna have to be like Dallas flames out. I think they got better at the trade deadline. Like I really like oh, PJ Washington, sure. Daniel Gafford, like two those two fits. Yeah. So like Dallas, they they have been trending downward, but what we'll see where they go from here. But if they somehow miss the playoffs or they lose in the first round or, or lose in the play-in, like maybe they do take a hard look at does this Kyrie Luca tandem work together, or do we have to pivot? and then you know maybe the lakers can get involved there uh trey young i think it would have to also be a similar situation where atlanta flames out in the plan or or maybe gets like swept or, or just killed in the first round and it's like hey is trey young really a franchise guy or do we have to go in a different direction uh cleveland donovan mitchell we we know uh his contract situation and the uncertainty there but again cleveland's looked really really good over the last few weeks and two seed right now and, and and you have the whole New York element where everything I've heard and as has been reported is New York, Brooklyn, like those are the two favorites yep. to land Donovan Mitchell. So th- there's a chance Lakers strike out. And and we're looking at, you know, July or mid-July. They didn't get any of these guys and they still have these picks, but you basically have the same roster. We don't know what happens with D'Lo yet, obviously, but like, it's just, it, it is, it's a risk. And it's a risk that might not pan out. And even if it does pan out, again, like Trey Young is a defensive liability. Kyrie is a defensive liability. And Donovan Mitchell has largely been a defensive liability out, outside of some stretches. So, like, yep. you are creating some of, some of the issues that you've had with, like, the backcourt and and not being able – the, the defense and, and trying to hide certain guys. Like, you are recreating that. And Yes, the offense gets better, clearly. And, and your overall talent gets better. But, like, I, I still think that there's a d- clear downside here that and then on top of it Lakers didn't want to trade Austin right obviously at the yep. uh, at the trade deadline but now you're you, you kind of have to trade Austin in any of these trades um and from what i've reported and uh what you and others have reported like there was a, a threshold to trade Austin of like all star level guy like clear mm-hmm. n- you know needle mover and i think all three of those guys reached that level but you are still kind of taking away from the top of the roster to add one of these guys and and relying on on maybe some vet minimum guys or, or, you know, lower exception guys to, to try and round out the roster. So I just think we've seen this movie before. Uh, I think all three guys are better than, than Russ was in 2021, better fits than Russ was in 2021. So like, I I do think it would be a better partnership and, and there's championship potential for sure, but depending on how they build out the rest of the roster and the subsequent moves, I do see a clear downside as well, on top of LeBron about to be 40, year 22, 80 going into year 13, 13. Uh, and, and going to be 32. So, mm-hmm. like, you're starting to get up there with both guys. And I just think, like, there's no time like the now, in my opinion. Both guys have been healthy, both guys are playing at all NBA levels. And to not try and maximize that, even with a marginal improvement, um, I think that kind of says something about where they, they truly think they are right now. That's the point. That's the thing that I wrote about in,
1: I think it was November of 2022. I pulled up the uh, article from silver screen. I put it in the comments of last night's show. And um, I kind of feel like if they struck out this summer by like, you know, pursuing a star and then didn't wind up getting somebody would be kind of like that Drake meme gif, right? Where, where he's like on the sideline and he's like, Oh man, shoot, you know, like the fake, like I said, not, really not the
0: recent Drake. The no. Drake Oof, meme no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 nope, really not mean, that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I sure. hope it doesn't become a
1: meme. I hope it doesn't get widely used. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like it, it was it, but I, I, I do kind of think that, and this is a message that I think fans don't really want to hear, right. Or the possibility that, that like people don't really want to pay attention to is that, you know, the Lakers are looking at LeBron as a 40-year-old aging superstar, even given how incredibly he has aged. They are looking at Anthony Davis as somebody who has injury histories in his past and had a bit of a ceiling as the best player on a team. And I do think that to a certain extent, there's a possibility here that the Lakers just kind of ride this out, that they basically look at the reality and they say, Uh, you know what? We had a great run. We went out, we won a championship, we got to a Western Conference finals, um, together as well. Uh, you know, we would like to maintain some flexibility for the post LeBron James era. And I know that people don't want to hear it. I'm not like, I'm not making the case for it either. I'm just saying that, like, based on their moves, like you just said, actions speak louder than words here. They have made it clear, like, you, you mentioned all of the stars that they said that they were going to pursue in the past and came up short with. And if there's just yet another opportunity that they passed up on to kick that can further down the road, you have to ask what is actually, you know, to be accomplished here by kicking that can a lot of times it's pointless. Kicking a can doesn't really accomplish anything. So yeah, it's, it's and, a fascinating
0: one thing I, I will say I'll add in and I haven't heard this, but I, I assume, you know, as this plan continues to develop, like, there's, I guess, a path where they just go and they get like a couple of of key rotation yeah. upgrades, and mm-hmm. and you can use those two or three picks, uh, and the pick swaps and the seconds, like, to maybe do a couple of of separate trades, and you bring like and maybe go back to trying to recreate the mold of that 2020 team or even the 2023 team, uh, just with 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 depth and defense and and versatility, and like, I think that is a possibility. That's just not. What's been relayed to me yet? It has been more of like, let's save the picks to to put a them on star. the table for that star. Uh, yeah. But I think there's also maybe another path where they they kind of value depth and role players and and trying to get that difference making wing that slots properly next to LeBron and AD. And then if if you can, uh, you know, maybe Rui at, at that point less less money on his deal, although still has the two years. Uh, like maybe you can flip him over the summer or maybe D'Lo opts in, or you can do a sound trade or something. Like th- there are different ways for them to go where I think they can rebuild the, the roster in a smart way. But if it is just like star or bust, we have seen them bust more often than not um, yep. in, in you know the last few summers. So it, it is something that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I, I do think there's a, there's a way to kind of thread the needle there in, in a smart way. And I, I want to just acknowledge that, that, maybe that is their plan b i just haven't heard that yet personally
1: it's honestly the path i prefer over the star pursuit like honestly like if you could if you could turn the wings that the lakers have where you have to choose one you know one side of the court over the other into a two-way wing cool right Macau bridge is probably going to be available over the over the summer could you turn two of those picks into Macau bridges and then use the third one on an amazing on fit. Another- Oh my God. He's perfect. He'd be perfect for, for, for LeBron and AD, but, um, Yovan, I have taken up way too much of your time. The Lakers play tonight. Like there's another game tonight. I know. Uh, (laughs) So only um, the
0: Pelicans.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, we will, we will, uh, you follow your, your coverage of that game and the rest of the season. Again, great work this year, man. You've been absolutely killing it. It's been a, it's, it's been a blast to, um, do this in a weird way with you you know like like in 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 uh in the way that we have kind of uh you know all the messaging and stuff it's been it's been an absolute blast man i really appreciate you always making time for the show it's uh it it has not gone unnoticed and i do owe you if not one beer i'll tell you what i'll even throw a future second round beer, potentially. Uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, I, I
0: want a lottery protected first, at least. Come on. <laughs> All
1: uh, right. Well, uh, no, we will, again, we'll, I want, I want we'll to go a four I beer. Last, we'll go. We'll go. A, uh...
0: <laughs> I did this last time, but I want to give you your flowers again. You, you've continued to be ahead of a lot of stuff. Um, in many cases, you know, stuff that I, appreciate it. Uh, I wasn't aware of or, or stuff that at the time I couldn't report. And you did. And I, I give you your kudos. I give you your flowers. So, uh, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. And you, you've been the the breakout star of the 2023, <laughs> 24 season. You, you've been what the, the Lakers wanted Max Christie to be, although he's looked really good in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So.
1: I, I, I think Max um, is quite pre-injured. a bit better at what he does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, we have a, we have a comment who, on, on you. Sources tell me that Jovan is pretty awesome. I agree, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. He's been, he's been absolutely great on this show and with your vlogs and on the show that you do with Jason over there at hoops tonight. um, And you're writing it at the athletic, just absolutely tremendous work, man. It's, it's been a privilege to, to, to do this in a weird way with you. And we'll continue talking over the course of the year. I'm sure we will. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's content here at the Lakers lounge. I'm going to sleep for a weekend. I'm going to try anyway. The kids just will not let me, but I'm going to try. Um, So until the next time you you guys hear from you, it's probably Sunday. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend and make somebody else's and I will talk to you then. Thanks, bud.